0: Block talk radio.
1: Welcome to episode three fifty three. 352, actually, I think it's uh, 353 of the Great Iron Blitz. been a long week so far. Um, we're going to have an exciting show today, Great Iron Blitz uh, podcast, sponsored by Monkey95.com. Go to Monkey95.com and take advantage of our sign-up with the code NJF. And uh, they're doing something really special this week. So if you donate to charity, $20, uh, all you have to do is on Twitter, uh, Instagram, or Facebook – you can direct message your receipt on there, and you would get a uh, Monkey Knife Fight uh, $20 play to try it out, more or less. is probably the best one that I've, uh, I'm playing so far. So you go to uh enter the code NJF, and if you donate, like I said, to any charity, uh, upload the receipt on Twitter, on Instagram, or Facebook, and you're able to get a uh, Monkey Night Fight um, $20 credit to play on any of the events. So we'll check it out. At this point, um, so let's bring in the Hall of Famer uh, Holly Custis in the house here. Um will see if she can um, dollar up here at this point. And then we're gonna have Mackenzie Brooks coming in here in about 30 minutes. My voice is a little crackle <clears throat> for the weekend. Uh, I had a, a little bit of fun for the Christmas weekend. So um, we'll see if we can dollar up right now. Um, let's see here. And bring her on here. I think her um, switchboard's probably there. Let's see if she can come on now. There we are. Hi, Holly. How's it going? Good. How are you? A little uh, raspity on my voice, but other than that, we're good. I think it's just the winter cold and stuff like that, so nothing to worry about.
2: Oh, man. You know, it's it's tough because, you know, pre-COVID time, you would get um, a cold and nobody would think twice about it and you know I had a, a cold or two during this process and you're like oh is this it is this it <laughs> but I get it I hope that you feel better
1: yeah we're good um like I said it's just a little dry so no big deal that's why I'm sounding so like cautious in on, on my voice but other than that we're good um okay, Holly, okay. Uh, kind of expected that We talked about the Rams falling to Seattle. Seattle wins the West. Uh, The Niners completely surprised Arizona. I I think they got nothing to lose. Technically, that was their attitude. Um, Cleveland uh, literally on a good rise, and now we're looking at maybe they're not that, you know, they might miss out on a playoff positioning. So a lot of changes uh, in the week. And then um, the Saints blasting Minnesota. Uh, TB-12 in the playoffs, and the rise of the Jets the last two weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of crazy happening. Um, you know, this last weekend there were a few teams that uh, could have clinched um, a playoff spot and they they weren't able to do it. Um, and I feel terrible for you because, you know, the Rams – uh, defensively, you know, they were hanging in there, and they they made it very challenging for the Seattle for I'd say like maybe three quarters and change, um, and they were they were playing pretty well, but then the offense just just could not get it done, and the offense was pretty lost out there, especially at, towards the end of the game, and um, you know it, it feels to me like his confidence is is a little bit hit right now as well um he just didn't look very comfortable if that makes sense and and Seattle did what they needed to do down the stretch to get it done um but uh sorry sorry about that Oscar
1: I know the backup quarterback Wilford I think he was uh AF AF uh AAF out of Arizona we'll see how he he does in terms of riling up the masses here must win against Arizona must win for Arizona too. I mean, so the two teams are going to in with must wins for the West. Um, but um, what do we say of Miami going back to Fitzpatrick also? I mean, we have Tua then Fitzpatrick well, and you know what I mean? It's like, well, uh, I thought they would have started uh, Mariota, but they didn't.
2: Yes. So we'll start, we'll start with it with the Dolphins. Um, It's really interesting to me because, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of variation in in the narrative publicly about the Dolphins this year. And, you know, I keep harping on this, but the Dolphins are where they are right now because of their defense and special teams. And Fitzpatrick early in the season was, was playing pretty well. And, you know, when they made the move to Tua, I thought it was, you know, pretty questionable, like a lot of people did. Mainly not because, you know, I didn't think that Tua was good or, like, I didn't think he was the, the guy going forward, but mainly because they were playing well and it wasn't like Fitzpatrick was playing poorly. And at the same time, Tua was coming off of some major injuries and do you really want to throw him in the mix when he hasn't had an offseason, like a normal offseason, to, to try to get acclimated and healed? I thought that was kind of risky. And then, so they've thrown him out there, and he hasn't played great. He hasn't played terrible. He's kind of played, like, as far as, you know, compared to his expectations of himself probably and the rest of the expectations we all have on him because we all know how talented he is. Compared to his talent, I don't think he's quite hit there yet. And so you can tell the difference between – the offense when Fitzpatrick is in compared to him. Um, and there are moments and flashes where he looks a little, a little more comfortable, but there's still – he's not quite there yet. And so for me, I'm like, okay, so I get – I understand Fitzpatrick is the veteran, but I think Flores is kind of putting himself in this weird position where now everybody – it's almost like the Austin fans have accepted this two-quarterback system – and now this is the expectation going forward when sometimes that can work for a short amount of time, but I don't know if that's sustainable for a playoff run. And then if you're Tua and you're starting, because they said, you know, he's going to start um, this coming week, do you feel like that, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick is really down your neck, even though they seem to have a good relationship as a player, especially somebody trying to take over the franchise, you want to feel – not like there is a short hook, and not like, oh my God, if I make won the state, they're going to pull me out type of thing. Because that's a terrible way to play, and you're kind of creating that weird dynamic. And so this, I think this could burn pretty quickly here in the playoff scenario, and and it, and it's kind of interesting because I just think that. Um, they need to pick a direction. They need to pick a lane and and stop changing mid-game because at some point that's going to bite them. At some point they've been able to get away with it a couple games, but at some point when you're in the playoff scenario and you're playing like, I don't know, for example, like if you're in the playoffs and you're playing Kansas City, you can't get away with that. So I'm hoping (laughs) that this coming game they stick with Tua and if he plays great, great. If he plays terrible, great. But you I think I think they're playing with fire with this moving pieces around things.
1: Yeah, I I don't know how uh gonna be there to your point with the two uh you know, switch over but I guess if you're a Dolphins fan, you're like, Okay, we have a reliable backup, an experienced reliable backup. So I guess they'll they'll stick with the rookie as as much as they can and like you said if gets uh Doom stage, I guess they'll just switch it over and go, okay, let's bring in Fitzpatrick to kind of save the day in, in that sense. So sort of like uh, Fitzmagic is just a relief pitcher.
2: Kind of. And the, I think I think that the challenge with that is pitching and playing quarterback are, are two different dynamics. <laughs> when you're talking about pitching, it's really you, the ball, and the catcher and Um, it's less about the remaining part of the uh, fielders behind you, where when you're talking about a quarterback change, there are differences in how the offensive line hears your cadence and the tempo of the offense and how they call the play calling changes as well. And you can tell the difference between the two. And so sometimes that can be okay, and I'm not saying that, like, if two is, like, terrible, you don't bring somebody in, like, the third quarter or fourth quarter. And you try to bring factor uh, in sometimes. But, like, I feel like right now they're, like, in a two-quarterback system. And, you know, I don't remember who it was, but somebody once said if you are in a two-quarterback system, you really don't have a quarterback. And I think that that is actually pretty true. So you can kind of get away with this uh, game or two, but if you want to make a playoff run and your defense and special teams are good enough to make a run, I feel like you're kind of playing with the chemistry and dynamic on the offensive side of the ball. But we'll see, you know, maybe it'll work and I'll be completely wrong. But right now I'm kind of worried about that.
1: All right. So the opposite would be Rogers Adams uh, having a great, pickup game in the snow against uh tennessee which is very surprising which that's what happened basically that's what happened the two superstars hook up for three three what three or more touchdowns in a route of the titans nobody would would have seen this but here we are in green bay so the mvp question is give it to rogers um give it to the kid in buffalo do we give it to? who else do we give it to because it looks like it's going to be Rodgers.
2: Right now, I think it. people are probably going to give it to Rodgers and then maybe Mahomes, and then you might get some Josh Allen people out there. But I, I think it's still, even though I'm an I fan and you're a Rams fan, you and I can both agree that the fact that Wilson is not in these conversations at the later part of the season is kind of laughable. You can't tell me yeah. that this guy who literally is, like, if they didn't, if the Seahawks didn't have Wilson in the last four or five years, they're they're not making the Super Bowl, you know, a couple of times. They're not even close. Like, this guy literally has taken them from the depths of, like, you know, despair, so many fourth quarter and overtime, like, scenarios. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, right? And that's why yeah. he has Niner and Rams fans you know, have, like, a love-hate relationship with it because you respect it, but it's really annoying when your team is playing him, right? So if you take him away, like, the Seahawks are not even relevant. I I really, like, their defense, you know, um, with the Legion of Boom was good, but the offense would not have been good enough to get them there. So I I just don't understand, and, like, I was talking to a couple people about this, and it's almost like people on the East Coast forget the Northwest or the West Coast exists sometimes. And and I and so not that I don't think Rodgers has played well, not that I don't think Mahomes or like Allen have played well, they have. But I really think it's a travesty. Like if, if we get to the end of the year and they have the MVP voting again, and Wilson doesn't have at least one vote, that like I don't know what to do. Like I it just it's just terrible. But yes, I do think the performance against Tennessee probably won Rodgers the vote, just because at this point I think the MVP voting. It's a beauty contest. And yeah. I think, you know, the fact that he was able to do this in the snow, and then, then you look on the other side, and, you know, Henry's still doing his thing. But, again, remember last year when everyone was like, oh, my God, Ryan Tannehill. And I was like, no, it was Derek Henry. And, you know, like, Tannehill did not play well at all in this game. And not to say like playing in the snow is easy because it's not. And, but at the same time, Tannehill, if they're going to, if Tennessee is going to make a run, they need better production out of Tannehill than they got in this game. Um, you know, so we'll see how that goes. But to answer your question, yeah, I think, because you know that this thing is a beauty contest, that game probably got it for Rogers.
1: All right, uh Chiefs lucky down the stretch here. You think they could be bounced off? But they look like they're they're okay, but they're, you know, they're barely getting by in terms of the last couple of weeks, so I don't know if it's personnel changes right now and they're not putting up their best foot forward, but come the playoffs, I mean, they look okay, but there's some people that are, you know, calling out and saying they're getting lucky here. They've been getting lucky the last 3 weeks.
2: Well, sometimes Good teams, okay, so when you're talking about a 16-game season, you're not going to play perfect football and your best football all 16 games. Every team that's a good team that's won a Super Bowl since the Super Bowl began has a few games like this, right, where you're not playing your best, things aren't going your way, the ball's not bouncing your direction, turnovers are happening, bad things are happening, and when you're When you're talking about Kansas City and they did not play their best game in the last probably couple two of the last three weeks, you know when you still win those games, <laughs> that's a good position to be in now, Does it matter about going into the playoffs and momentum? Yes, you know you can get away with beating the Falcons. Um, even though we all know the Falcons blew that one, like they have so many games before. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Um your i City? That's what, City, That's what you, people were saying. Are they lucky? Were they just lucky? Because, I mean, the Falcons have a tendency to do that, and they gave them a little win, basically. So I'm pretty sure they're going to sit out everybody yeah. against the Chargers for the most part.
2: Yeah, probably, probably will. And that, that is always an interesting dance, you know, um, because you want your your key people rested, and it is a long season, and you know this season especially has been very trying on everybody, I'm sure. But at the same time, you want to be going into the playoffs playing your best football, if at all possible. So, um, do I think they're in trouble? No, but I think it would have been more ideal if they had played well this game, then could rest their starters against the Chargers and not really it wouldn't really matter as much. Um, But I still think anytime you have Mahomes, you know, you're you're sitting pretty good. I think the main thing about um, Kansas City is can they have a consistent running game to go with Mahomes? And can their defense be consistent? Because sometimes their defense is like, you know, all world, all over the place making plays. And then sometimes they're kind of, they kind of go away and, let people score, you know, a bunch of points on them. So I, I think those are the two things: can they can they run the ball consistent enough to be complementarily to Mahomes, um, and can their defense be consistent? So they're still fourteen and one. You know what I mean? So if if you have not your best game and they're still fourteen and one, you're you're still doing okay.
1: All right, um, Polly. The talk, the AFC East, it is now owned by the Bills. The Bills sent a message on Monday, walking into Gillette, tearing up the Patriots. This is the same franchise that it served as a punching bag for the Belichick Tom Brady era. Okay, they're getting their butts whipped for almost two decades. Uh, so, are the days over now? Are the Bills the AFC, you know, replacement for the Patriots, basically?
0: Um,
2: in the short term. Yes, but I think uh, – the, They okay, got to prove so it. The, Let's start prove with it. the Patriots. Let's say – let's start with the Patriots first. I think the Patriots – I just – I feel really bad because I know everyone is like, oh, my God, Tom Brady left, and that's why they're not very good, and that's not true. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady mm-hmm. left, and that definitely hurt. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at who the team is now. And they have Cam Newton, but I really don't think Cam – it's hard to evaluate Cam on this year because the biggest two problems are, number one, they lost a lot of defensive leadership. A lot of people, you know, opted out because of COVID, and then they lost a couple other people. Um, so that was a problem, and they have a lot of youth on the on the defensive side. But then the other problem is they have no receivers, none. There's nowhere to throw the ball. There's, there's you got nowhere beer, to go. Like, and then there was – no- Harry, you got, you got has been, Harry has been a very big disappointment for Holiday me. Never because had in college, receivers. I really...
1: Holly, Holly, Brady never had receivers, and he still worked it. Why, what's going on? What's yeah, so different now? But,
2: but Oscar, Oscar, okay, so Brady, let, let's put it this way. Brady never had the A-plus level receivers, but he still, uh, for a chunk of his career, had Gronk and still had Edelman. And he had, uh, you know, a bunch of, like, B, B-plus Oh, they're B, gone. B+ guys, You're saying they're gone? Right.
1: They're all gone. They're in Tampa. They're all
2: gone. <laughs> and right right now, what they're left with is, like,
1: B-level
2: receivers.
1: Somebody called calls there's the no, there's a receiving nothing. car for the Patriots, the taxi squad, on Twitter. <laughs> We're throwing yeah, plane of the taxi squad. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it basically kinda is. And um, you know, for example, like all the guys that caught that passes I think are probably on other teams, like yeah, maybe a number three, four receiver or special teams receiver type people. I don't see anybody that would start on a on a good team, right? You don't have anybody there. So they have a lot of work to do to rebuild part of that with Brady. But part of that was a whole bunch of other people leaving at the same time. On Buffalo's side, you could tell this game meant a lot to them. And I understand why, because they basically, you know, got their behinds kicked for like 20 straight years. And and even though they know the Patriots are down this year, it probably still felt really good to them. Um, You know, so Josh Allen is pretty young. Um, and I think with Buffalo, the more I watched him, the real keys to them um, have been that they have what the Patriots do not have. They have a really good complement as skill players. Having Stephon Diggs there for Josh Allen has made a huge difference because this can stretch the field. Um, and then Cole Beasley has kind of reinvented his, his, himself as that that slot guy where he was always pretty good, but I think he's thriving in this offense. And, so, and then you have um, two pretty good backs in the backfield with uh, Moss and St. They're they're decent enough. And so they have a lot of weapons, and that is something the Patriots do not have. So do I think well, this is definitely Buffalo's year over the Patriots, obviously. Do I think Buffalo will go on the, on the run here? Possibly, but I also am not going to count out the Patriots in the future it might take them a year or two to rebuild but for right now it's the Bills division and then you're also looking at maybe miami coming into the picture um at least eventually
1: it's sort of refreshing that in the afc east we're not talking new england automatic isn't that refreshing oh, and then is. we're having kind of the is, jets actually. and then the jets and then the last two weeks of the season. Have really proven hey we didn't want to be in that uh you know what do you call it the draft motion to pick up a quarterback it's like they just decided to you know light up the last three weeks of of the season so i mean hats off to new york the jets for making it somewhat interesting uh same concept that the niners right nothing to play for the jets are like we got nothing to play for except for what try to show up and see what we can do for next season but let's put on a performance for the last three weeks and see what we can do. Um, So I think it's interesting Mm -hmm. and refreshing that the AFC East now has Miami, has um, the Bills in the AFC playoff picture, whether it be in a wild card or, you know, in an actual juggernaut mentality when we always think about like the top four teams in the AFC. So at this point, the Bills, to your point, could surprise some people, uh, specifically the Chiefs or the Steelers, right, in in that realm of the world. Um, if that happens, and Josh Allen has arrived, as they say.
0: Yeah,
2: I think um, you know. I think I, again, getting Diggs and Beasley were two huge things for Josh Allen.
1: Really? I agree.
2: You can you can tell you can tell the difference in his confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And when you have players like that, that are very consistent at getting separation. It makes your job easier as a quarterback. And then I would also say when I've watched them, for the most part, their offensive alignment has given Allen um, a fair amount of protection. And so that also helps. So if you're able to take your time, you know, in the pocket more than normal, and then you have two guys at least that can get separation very consistently, that makes you feel more comfortable, Right. So he still has stuff to work on, but you can tell that those additions really help, right? So um, we'll see what happens in the, in the playoffs, but, you know, the Bills are heading in the right direction, and it's just going to be a matter of can they take the next step uh, and learn how to win in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens.
1: All right. Um, it was the Alvin Kamara if you're on fantasy leagues, thank you, Alvin Kamara, because <laughs> first half, Alvin Kamara. Uh, if you're on, if you play, you know, fantasy football anywhere, uh, you were just completely, you know, bowing to Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara um, did more to win a million fantasy leagues on Christmas Day. <laughs> so, Holly, the king arrived. It was like Jesus <laughs> for people that had him <laughs> on there. It was like. Hell yeah, right? <laughs> a lot of a lot of folk, including so, myself.
2: <laughs> so in my fantasy, one of my fantasy leagues, the person I was playing had Elvin Camara, and I was like, I was like, what the what the hell? This person had like fifty some <laughs> fantasy points from Camara, and I was like, because I I started watching it, and then it was becoming a blowout, so I turned it off, right? And then I come back to check on my fantasy feed, and I was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, but here's the deal. Like, you know, I was talking about the Vikings before. Right. And I'm like, look, like you have Elvin cook who, you know, um, along with Elvin, yeah. uh, I, I think are two of the best backs in the league. You have Justin Jefferson, who's probably the best rookie receiver in the class so far. You have who's still a really good receiver um, and you have other weapons in you know from that uh, Minnesota uh, team I'm like why are they why are they not consistent <laughs> so it has a couple of things there's a couple of things I've noticed you know cousins is not as consistent um, he was okay in this game but the defense, Dear Lord, they gave up 264 yards on the ground. Like, Alvin Kamara had, you know, six touchdowns, 155 yards. But Latavius Murray also had 72 yards. He was averaging six yards a carry. The whole team averaged six yards a carry. And that tells you the defense did not show up, right? So, I don't know. I just feel like this was a great game for the Saints to try to get more in rhythm, I still think uh, Drew uh, Drew Brees is not quite as comfortable as I would like him to be going into the playoffs. But he played better in this game overall, um, as far as getting the ball down the field. We had a lot of, um, a lot of people. So We're
1: we'll calling for Drew Brees to just step aside and, and bring in Hill. And they brought in Hill for what a series, and then they they gave the mm-hmm. they gave the touchdown. It would have been seven touchdowns. It kind for of, and a lot of. It A kind lot of, of people re- on
2: Twitter were pissed off. Yeah. I, it, you know, it kind of reminds me of the last year of Peyton Manning played, where it was yeah. kind of really funny but sad at the same time, where they were basically wheeling Peyton Manning out there, like <laughs> like on the, you know, um, like they're wheeling him out there, and they're like, you just stand there. <laughs> and Drew Brees is not quite as bad as Peyton Manning was his last year. But you can tell the drop-off, and you can tell the confidence might be hit a little bit. He still Drew a breeze, and he can get a lot done. But it's I mean, not 80, at the level yards, that we're accustomed to.
1: 80,000 yes. yards, your hand, your, it's not... your whole shoulder should have fallen off. You know what I mean? mean yeah. he's durable <laughs> quarterback, but he's not it's the guy lot. that's going to win you the games anymore, to your point, like with Peyton Manning in his no. later stage. He's not the guy you're going to call exactly. on to save the game
2: no no he's he's to the point where he's good most of the time, and um if the game's on the line, he might be able to still do it, but he can't he's not going to be able to put the team on his back um, like he used to, but the good news for the Saints is that they have enough weapons to offset that um so you know we'll see what happens, but um so I think it's
1: definitely a good win for them because of this performance at the end of the year, or do we just oh. do we, it always goes to a quarterback. That's what a lot of people gripe about. we always give the MVP to a yeah. quarterback. It's like, why do we give it to a I quarterback do. every single year? It's like, they are durable backs. Mm-hmm. they running backs. There's tight ends that have durability and key uh, right. scheme that run against tight ends. You know, the Kelsey's of the world and stuff. It just seems like the award right. is now like fixated on one position.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because the same thing is happening to the the Heisman. And it's because mm-hmm. most awards really have come down to basically being a beauty pageant of who are the best teams, you know, in the NFL, like in the league or if in the, in the college in the country, who are the best, like, teams in those areas, and then who are the quarterbacks for those teams. And then all of those quarterbacks. Who do we think looks the most sexy like, as far as their season is concerned? And I think that's a little – I think it's, a, it's gone too far that direction, and I, I really do feel that way because, yes, the quarterback is a very important position on the field, and, yes, especially like in the NFL, it's extremely important. But at the same time, if you have other players in other positions that are just absolutely destroying it, you should have them in the conversation. Like it should not just be like three or four quarterbacks over and over again, the same people over and over again, by the way, most of the time. It should be open enough to be like, Hey, like, you know, Derek Henry is amazing or look at Camaro or, you know, look at the things this person's doing or look at Aaron Donald, who is, you know, the best defensive player still in the game. And look at all these, they, like, there should be more conversation, you know. So I do agree with you on that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of fans, like myself, we're like, we are neglecting a lot of other uh, talented uh, players. Uh, I think a lot of times receivers should get the credit, but I think because they're hooked up to the quarterback, it's kind of an automatic view where we neglect the the run game. And we also neglect any type of defensive player that obviously has credibility Credibility like an Aaron Donald and others, so I maybe it's the time to, you know, make a MVP offensive MVP and a defensive MVP, and then just lump them together as one, and then kind of like throw it in the bowl and see who gets the pick. You know what I mean? So it's, yes, it's, it's right. just going to change it out. But the quarterbacks are always the automatics. Um, don't forget, guys, go to monkey95.com. You get uh, fast and simple prop games, more or less, really simple. Monkey95.com. You get there. and and use the code NJF. And because of the holidays, uh, monkeyknifefight.com has uh, a donation run. So if you donate to a charity, a minimum of $20 to a charity, you can upload the receipt, direct message through via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and you will get a Monkey Knife Fight credit of $20 to play on the site. So check it out, monkeyknifefight.com. Use the code NJF. All right, uh, Holly, This will be the seventh edition of the college football playoffs. Uh, And in kind of familiar fashion, we have, uh, we talked about last week, we have the uh, perennial powers, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. And so last season we had LSU winning the championship by being Clemson in the title game. Oklahoma and Ohio State were the other two finalists. So as we go into the college scene here, Cotton Bowl, number six, Oklahoma will be taken on number seven, Florida. That'll be on ESPN on December 30th at 8 p.m. So um, Kyle Trask and company. So the Big 12 Conference champions, Oklahoma will face the SEC runner-up, Florida, for the first time since 2009. And that was when it was considered what the BCS National Championship game. So what do we say of this game? Is it uh, we're looking at Florida here or – are you uh putting your your bets on Oklahoma?
2: Well, I um the thing about Florida that's interesting for this game is that I think their top three or four receiving um targets are opting out to get ready for the NFL. So that's a completely different Florida team. Um, you know, Trask has had an amazing year. Like, I really think Um, He's grown a lot during this year, and one of the reasons why he's been so so successful is the weapons he has to throw to, and a lot of those people won't be involved in this game. Um, You know, so that's why you'll see a lot of people slanted towards Oklahoma, is because even though Florida had a really good year uh, and they have a lot of talent, um, it's not going to be a full house for Florida. So it's going to be a matter of can Trask get it done with other weapons? Can he get it done with the younger guys? Can they step up into those roles? And then the other question for Oklahoma is Oklahoma's defense really struggled early in the year, and they have gradually gotten better. um, But are they going to be able to hold up against um, a Florida offense that uh, typically has thrown the ball all over the place? Um, So that is going to be a really interesting matchup, and I think it's one of my favorite uh, bowl matchups of of the year, honestly, because I just think both teams will be really exciting to watch.
1: All right, let's bring in uh, the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks, in the house. So, uh, Mac, we got uh, Peach Bowl. We're talking college football right now. Peach Bowl, number eight Cincinnati, taking on number nine Georgia ESPN, January 1st at noon. So you got uh, Desmond Ritter taking on uh, the, the groups out there. So it, Cincinnati enters the Peach Bowl with a 9-0 and record, the champions of the uh, AAC, the Atlantic uh, Conference. The Bearcats are looking for their first victory in a New Year's Six Bowl. This is the fourth straight appearance in a New Year's Six Bowl for Georgia under head coach Kirby Smart. So uh, what do you say of the Peach Bowl here, Cincinnati versus Georgia?
0: So here's what I'm gonna do, Oscar. I'm gonna backtrack just for a minute, and then we're gonna talk about the Peach Bowl. So I have to disagree with Holly just for just for a little bit, while her points are correct about Florida not having their top receivers in, you know, in this in this bowl game against Oklahoma. Um, what people don't quite understand, and I know, Holly knows her football better than I do, so I'm not, you know. I'm not trying to be disrespectful or disregarded, but what people don't realize is when Kyle Pitts was out with that injury um, earlier this season for Florida, both of those two younger uh, tight ends that they had in his place pretty much picked up the slack, and there wasn't there wasn't very much tur- you know there wasn't very much turnover. They they put put them in, they played, you know, they kept winning. They lost one of the one of those three games that he was out. Now the thing with Oklahoma is Oklahoma is a young team. There's, I think, maybe a handful of upperclassmen that have, that have been to the Big 12 championship, that have been to a New York know, Six Bowl, that um, have been to a playoff uh, contention. And my only, my only worry with Oklahoma is, one, their defense. Yes, they've started out slow uh, this season and have gradually gotten better. But you don't know what, like, we can't predict what's going to happen. With their defense, we don't we can't say that they're going to come off sound at the snap of the ball. Very you know, very first, very first play the game. Spencer Rattler is a freshman. He is a true freshman. This is the big time for him at, at this point. He 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 got them the victory against Iowa State, a very close game, mind you, but still pulled off. You know, pulled off the the Big Twelve playoff contention in general. My whole point is, people people are wanting to you know, take Oklahoma because of the fact that that Florida doesn't have, the, isn't going to have their top receiver, but they still have Kyle Trask. It, you know, it's a give and take there. Now, with this this Peace Bowl with Georgia and Cincinnati, I'm taking Cincinnati uh, because Georgia has not been able to keep a quarterback in in, one, in the starting position the entire season. They started off with Stinson Bennett. He got hot and then fell off. Than had JT Daniels. JT Daniels has been electric the entire time that he's played, and they should have started him before. The thing that's going to screw over Georgia is again their defense. Their defense is still young. Their defense with Richard LeCount back there at corner and, and those other two, those other two good players on on defense and safety, they have to be alert. They have to, because Cincinnati is is nine is and and they have they have not let anybody. Beat them like quite literally. They are they are a hard team to beat, and the, the faster teams realize that, the quicker they're going to realize this game's going to be closer than they think. Uh, Cincinnati's problem that I have is their pass blocking and their run blocking on the offensive line. It's going to be it's going to be a bloodbath with either game. Like, and I, I don't think people are going to understand that until the staff and the ball happen.
1: Holly, you agree with that, or you got any any counterpoints? Um.
2: For I would like to feel like feel like I'm at a podium and being asked a political question. Okay. I would like to state that I actually do like Florida more than Oklahoma, but the, the media has been backing Oklahoma. So there you go. Okay. Yeah,
0: I'm Moving on.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Moving on. And oh, the other thing about Florida is I don't I wasn't concerned about Pitts being gone, I was concerned about Pitts and Tony being gone. Um, but we'll see if those young guys can step up, but I do think that will be fun for Georgia and Cincinnati. I do agree I think I would take cincinnati i I think they're just a more complete team, and this is their shot, you know, considering that they you know weren't even close to the playoff conversation. um, I think they're going to feel angry and slighted and want to. Have every part of Georgia. So I think Cincinnati is going to be ready to go. And I think they have a bit more experience on their side. I think JT Daniels has played pretty well for Georgia. But again, Georgia's kind of been a little bit up and down at times this year. So I'm backing Cincinnati on
0: that one.
1: All right. Mackenzie, um, you got Clemson coming in, taking Ohio State. Um, we talked about the bias, you know for the rankings but overall uh ohio state taking on clemson here it's going to be uh espn january 1st so we got trevor lawrence we don't know if he'll end up in uh, jacksonville at this point because he's no longer going to end up in new york as as, a, as it sounds right now so second rank clemson is seeking their third uh college football playoff championship in the last seven seasons the tigers have advanced to the championship in four of the last five seasons Third-ranked Ohio State is looking for their first trip to the championship since 2015. So who do we get here?
0: So here I'm going go on a little bit of a rant right now. I'm a Big Ten fan. And the fact that the Big Ten decided that they were going to change their rules just so they can get a Big Ten team in is absolute crap. And it makes the Big Ten look desperate for a spot. You should have kept it out of six games and they should have played a sixth game, period. Don't baby Ohio State because you want a team in. And, frankly, to be completely honest, I think Clinton's is going to wipe the freaking floor with them. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to eat that the subpar secondary alive. I really do. And I'm not saying that you feel, because
1: Mac. I don't – You're telling us really well, how I'm you not feel. not
0: saying... Look, I'm not saying that because I I originally don't like Ohio State because I'm an Iowa fan. But Iowa has their number. That's that's another topic for another day. The overall fact of the matter is Clemson deserves to be there. They played their full out. They played three quarters of their schedule. Ohio State did not. The Big Ten decided, oh, we're going to switch the – we're going to take away the six-game rule so Ohio State can get in. They took away the six-game rule so they can play in the Big Ten championship and two teams in the big Ten got screwed out of that championship because they wanted Ohio State into into the college football playoffs. They should not be ranked number 3. They should not be they should not be playing this game. And I cannot wait until Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne eat that secondary alive. And it's going to be a blowout. And Ohio State's not going to get very many points on Clemson. I will tell you that right now. Like on on January 1st, I'm a Clemson fan.
1: All right, Holly, are you with the same consensus here that Clemson's going to come in and just ball out and Ohio State's not even going to be on the map here?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think for me it's less – and I totally understand the Big Ten dilemma and I, I agree that that was not fair and I, I that's, you know, an issue. I think for me if I take all that out and I take out, you know, the – the, this, um, you know disparity in the games because at the end of the day it is what it is and, and Clemson you know their conference started earlier and that whole thing but when I look at the teams themselves I think Ohio State they're only chance, there's two things that they would need to do to stay in the game they would first need to run the ball because you can't put it all on Justin Fields because he's, he, he can't he can't shoulder the whole entire load, and sometimes I feel like they put that on him when they're not able to run the ball. So if they're able to run the ball like they did in uh, the 10 championship, that's going to help a lot because they're, they're going to need to control the clock and control the, the possessions that they have to keep Clemson on the sideline. The second thing, they have to create turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. If they're able to do those two things, they can hang around – is either one of those things is not working, I, I just think that Clemson, especially after the game um, against uh, Notre Dame, you know, unless something crazy happens, I really feel like Clemson is a better team. And I do agree that this will probably be a blowout, but the only way Ohio State can hang around is, is if they can run the ball and get turnovers. So I basically, long story short, I agree.
1: All right, Um You get uh, McKenzie Rose Bowl, Alabama, taking on Notre Dame. Same concept. A lot of people are like, okay, Notre Dame gets this exclusive exclusion because they're independent or whatever you want to call it. But uh, here we are, Alabama against Notre Dame. So we're looking at top-ranked Alabama seeking their third uh, college football playoff championship in seven seasons. The, The Tide have been in the college playoffs six of the last seven. Notre Dame is still seeking their first Win in the college football playoffs. So, what do you say of Notre Dame? Do we have a prayer here? More competitive versus Alabama, or are we going to be looking at you just said with Clemson and the other game?
0: So here's the thing with this Rose Bowl: Mac Jones versus Ian Book battle. It's in
1: Texas, by the way. It's not in Pasadena. It, just to make sure it, to clarify is, that.
0: Yes. Um, I am not an Alabama fan by any means. In fact, I can't stand the World tide. I can't stand Nick Saban, can't stand Sarkeesian, I can't really stand old Saban. However, Jones and Smith, Jones and you don't Jones. like
1: Jones and Smith? Jones and Smith no, is a good combo. Two,
0: no, those two players, Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, are some dudes. Like I you know me, if if it's a football play or you make a football move, I don't care what team it is, I will give you credit, period. What people also don't realize is Notre Dame had to join the ACC this year to play football because of the pandemic. That's the only way they're in to Many people don't realize that. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize that. Is Notre Dame has been independent for probably before I was born. Okay, I'm about to be 29 next week. Okay. Fact of the matter is, is everybody was like, oh, they're coming in independent. They're going into the ACC. They're not going to do anything. That's the lie. Okay, they have came into the ACC and blown teams out, you know, especially blowing out Clemson without a Trevor Lawrence. And then, you know, Clemson got, got their get-back. Now they're one, of, they're one win apiece. I'm taking – you know, I have to take Notre Dame because I've always, I always go for an underdog, period. I always go for an underdog. I love to see the underdog win, or I at least love to see them keep up. And I think – I think – Notre Dame is going to have something to prove, not only to people but to themselves. Like we deserve to be here. We, you know, we've had to fight. We had to go into a conference and, you know, go out of go out of our normal routine. And I think I I think they're personally going to want it more. But if I had to pick, I think it's it's going to go into overtime. It's going to go into overtime, and I'm still taking Notre Dame by three. And all these banners so and world titters out here. So you're saying are talking about oh, it's going to be a blowout? No.
1: So you're saying Jesus Christ is going to play a role in this? So there's going to be some miracle? <laughs> oh, it's not going to
0: be a miracle. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be good football, Oscar. There's the difference between a miracle okay. and actual football, okay? Like the Green Bay Packers need a miracle at this point to win the Super Bowl. Notre Dame doesn't quite need a miracle to keep up with Alabama. All
1: right, Holly, what's your take on this? Do you think uh, Alabama's going to – be very competitive, Notre Dame competitive game here too?
2: Um, I'm not as high on Notre Dame. Um, I think I really haven't been most of the year. I do think that Notre Dame, it's similar to the Ohio State thing in that I don't think Notre Dame is going to be able to contain the weapons that Alabama has on offense, defensively, for long. So their key is – Ian Book getting the ball to their tight ends. They need to go more old school football, run the ball, get it to the tight ends. And the key for Notre Dame is Clemson basically took away Ian Book's ability to roll out of the pocket and create more. They did a really good job this last time around of containing him and trying to keep him pinned in the pocket. And that created a whole bunch of problems for Notre Dame. So Ian Book needs to be able to get out and roll out And so if Alabama is pinning him inside, they need to adjust. And I don't know if they're already going to do this and have some play calls that are designed, bootlegs, get him out in space, let him create, let him get it to the big tight ends and control the clock. If they can make the game into a really gritty grudge match type of game, that's how they can win. If they get into a boat race, they're going to get annihilated because they're not set up to to run that a full game with Alabama, I don't think. So do I think uh, Notre Dame can win? Yes, but they're going to have to have a lot go right. Um, And I I agree in that neither of these teams are my favorite teams. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, I think for me, Alabama – has a lot more to do with Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. Those weapons are really tough. And uh, so, you know, Notre Dame is going to have their hands full uh, on the defensive side. So we'll see. But right now I'd have to lean towards Alabama, but I'm hoping that Notre Dame can get into the trenches and make this a dirty fight, and that's how they can win.
1: Okay, we're going to get into mud because we're going to go talk Yes, and I know both of you are on the opposite Ends of this, so uh, Holly, we got number 25, Oregon And Mackenzie, we got number 10, Iowa State So Mackenzie, you want to start? Is it going to be Oregon winning, or Iowa State?
0: Oh, you know I personally, I don't have Anything against Oregon, I really don't Like, Justin Herbert kind of Made me a fan, you know, the past Couple of years there, so I don't really have anything Negative to say, but Iowa State has become my second team, and uh, I want them to win. I don't think they're going to though. Like I really want them to win. I just don't think I don't think they're going to. Only for the plain fact that I think what's going to happen is they're going to still be beating themselves up about the Big 12 championship, uh, unless they've created, unless they've been able to create some form of amnesia, like super quick and you know in a hurry turnover and been able to get to practice and work on, you know, this next game plan against Oregon. I just don't – I don't see Iowa State winning this game. If they win, it will be because everything was on all cylinders, and it will be because Brock Purdy has matured as a quarterback within, you know, two weeks. That that was oh, the yeah. problem when they played Oklahoma is yeah. Brock Purdy – tried to be a dude and didn't let his maturity lead him to the game because he literally had that game in hand. He had Charlie Kohler on the other side wide open and nobody was there, but he tries to stick it in a hole and tries to get highlights. You can't do that. You literally have Charlie Kohler on the the same side wide the hell open. Throw it to Kohler and you win the game. Okay?
1: (sighs) Agreed. Agreed. I mean, that's (laughs) knucklehead. As they say, sometimes you got to get your ego involved and there it is. Holly, uh, Oregon, much, you know, do we have – I don't think uh, Ohio State's going to – I mean, Iowa State's going to be such a big, you know, obstacle, but uh, weirder things have happened. January second on ESPN at 4 p.m.
2: This could actually go either way, and and the reason being is that as an Oregon fan, and I've watched, you know, the the whole year, obviously, Oregon is the most – I guess is the youngest – team in the country when it comes to the percentage of underclassmen on their team. I think it's like 75% of the team is underclassmen, right? So that played a huge part in why Oregon struggled at times early in the year. It was, you could just tell that we lost, we didn't just lose Justin Herbert. We lost probably the top five or six people on their defensive side of the ball um, either through the draft or because they're opting out because of COVID or they're preparing for the draft. We lost a lot of experience and leadership. And on the defensive side of the ball, the, early in the year, they were making young mistakes. They were out of position. They were throwing up their arms trying to make arm tackles. They weren't cohesive. They weren't communicating. They they, they allowed Jamar and Oregon State to run all over them. And it was just terrible because you're, you're watching and you're like, This team is extremely talented. There's no reason why we should be giving up that kind of yardage. But then against USC, the defense showed up the way that we thought that they could, and you saw them take a jump in maturity. They were communicating better. They were rallying to the ball. They were in position. They were filling the gap the way that they were supposed to. And everything was coming together. They were getting pressure on the quarterback, which has been an issue earlier in the year. And I was like, Oh my God! If we had played that way the whole year, we would have been in a different ball game for this bowl game. Um, offensively, again, we have a lot of talent, but our quarterback situation is not consistent right now. So you know, we have Tyler Shuck, who came into the year actually pretty good the first couple of games, but his confidence right now is shot. Um, he's been pulled a couple times against USC. They threw an Anthony Brown. Um, for a series or two, but what was telling to me is it wasn't just like a series here, a series there. They were key points in the game where it was third down, fourth down, and goal, third and goal, like key type game situations. So I think the key for Oregon is can they play defensively as well as they did against USC? If they can play like that, then I think we're fine. And can we get consistent quarterback play? Because the rest of it, we have, um, you know, great running backs. Our receiving core is way better than it was a couple years ago. Our tight ends are pretty good. Offensive line is all new, but they've actually done really well considering they're all new. And we have a lot of talent, but it's young talent. So the key is going to be a challenge, I think, because Reese Hall is one of the best backs in the country, That's going to be hard for this defense that really got torched by Oregon State on the ground. So, for me, I'm looking at this game like I really want this game, but it's going to tell me a lot about what to expect next year because if we can win and at least keep Brees Hall, you know, to an intermediate-level game, then that tells you that growth on the defensive side of the ball is going to be even better next year with the talent they have coming in. And if our quarterback situation can level out, then I'm feeling really great about next year, too, with the talent coming in. So, yes, I think Oregon can win. But I also think that things can happen, and they've been kind of up and down at times. And Iowa State, I really have a lot of respect for that run game. So if Iowa State is smart, they're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But we'll see what happens. I'm hoping my team can, can grow up here a little bit and, and take care of it. All right, um, you know, McKenzie, I'm going to piggyback
0: off of that real quick. Sorry, I'm going to piggyback off of that real quick. That's exactly right, Holly. If if Oregon can stop or at least put some kind of a halt to Breeze Hall, they're more than likely going to win the game. Because if I'm Matt Campbell and I'm that OC over there, I would state the first probably two series, I'm running the ball down your throat just because that's how – that's how much effect Breeze Hall has on the offense. That's how much effect Breeze Hall has on the defense, even, rather. So, if 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 Oregon can find a way to put the brakes on Breeze Hall for, you know, three and out a couple times, it's more than likely going to diminish that one game of Iowa State.
2: Yeah, I think it should be really fun, you know, because – I think this matchup is really intriguing because I think Iowa State is, is built a certain way and Oregon's kind of built a different way. So you can have a clash of, of styles a little bit. So I think it should be fun.
1: Also, All right, so let's you move take? on to Orange Bowl. You taking? Let's go to, I'm taking, uh, I think I'm going to take Iowa State. If they keep it on the ground, I really think they they'll that'll, that'll be a factor to Holly's point. Uh, if they don't keep it on the ground... Uh, you guys have made some valid points on both sides, but if they keep it on the ground, I think Iowa has a chance to really that. Cause I think Oregon to Holly's point, they're pretty young too. So that'll, that'll be a key. Um, orange bowl, Texas A&M against North Carolina. So um, Kel- uh, Kellen Munn uh, out of A&M the uh, orange bowl, the first game ever played between these two teams, the Aggies, we're one spot away from making the first appearance in the college football playoffs. The Tar Heels are making their first appearance in the Orange Bowl. So, uh, Mac, Tar Heels for the win, or what, what are you looking at?
0: You know, game I've really been going back and forth about. I'm, even, I'm not even going to lie. Not going to lie. Callum Munn, that's a dude. Not even going to lie. He, that kid has some moxie especially everything that 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 team in general has had to go through this year, you know, just like every other team missing games because of COVID injuries, you know, not knowing if they're going to have a full out season. And the fact that Texas A&M has actually, in my accord, been highly underrated for the kind of play that they've had. And I think, I personally think they got snubbed. I think they should have been in that top four, top, top six, rather. Um, but Sam Howell, Sam Howell is also a dude. Like all these quarterbacks and receiver, you know, receiver combos that we have this year in college football. It doesn't matter what conference, what level. Like there's a lot of moxie, there's a lot of attitude, there's a lot of like types of players that play with chips on their shoulders, and it's been it's made for a great season. Um, but I I have to I have to take Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M is going to come out and they're going to have something to prove. Like, you guys snubbed us, you know, we're not here to play games. You gave us an Orange Bowl, New Year's Six. We should have been top five, top four. Okay, you know, we're going to show you why why we should have been in those top in those top spots. Um, I think Sam Howell and those Targels are going to give them a run for the money, probably the first half. And it's, it, I think Texas A&M is just going to run away with it.
1: Holly, what do you think?
0: Um, I think
2: Texas A&M. It was always really interesting to me because Mund, I you have to give it to Texas A&M for sticking with him because a couple you know he's been when he was younger, he was that quarterback that it was feast or famine. Like he would do really awesome, amazing plays and flashes of like brilliance, and then he his decision making was kind of all over the place at times. So things like this year, he's kind of matured a bit. Is more consistent, which has really, you know, been a helpful thing for them. I think North Carolina has a really good offense, and and Sam Howell can throw the ball all over the place. Um, I think the difference is going to be, I think Texas A&M um, can hold North Carolina just enough to pull away. I think this will be a close game, but I think Texas A&M will win somewhere between, I'd say six and eight points, and we're around there.
1: All right, so we got uh, Texas A&M. Uh, most everybody, I think, it's going to take Texas A&M uh, to uh, McKenzie's Point, uh, Kellen Mountain and, and company, so a pretty interesting game there. So we don't have the national championship until January 11th, so this is our New, year, new Year's edition of the Gridiron Blitz. So, uh, Holly, I know you got a bail. so happy New Year to you, and we'll t- touch base in the beginning of in January if everything goes as planned and then obviously hopefully this COVID thing starts to fade out with the vaccine being rolled out already. So hopefully everybody's staying safe and doing their part. Uh, So Holly, I wish you a very, very nice new year.
2: All right. Have a good new year guys.
1: All right. So Mac, um, I, I guess if you, are excited for football here it is it's uh you know college football weekend uh we're gonna be talking pretty much nfl week 17 right now a lot of implications including in your little realm of the nfc east what a disaster there and it's kind of like a you know throw three teams in a bowl and see which one comes out and it's like it looks like philly's looking on the on the way out on the outside uh, looking in i guess so it's going to be either the washington football team winning the division. Or your Cowboys went in the division, depending on how it goes in week 17.
0: <laughs> you know what's scary is you would look at the Dallas Cowboys pre-Dak Prescott getting injured. Pre-Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. I probably would have told you, yeah, we probably going to win the division and handily. Post-Dak Prescott up until about two, three weeks ago, we not doing nothing. We'll just see what kind of draft pick we get and go from there. And then we go on this three-game winning streak right now. You know, it would be 49ers, would be Bengals, Eagles last okay, week. You
1: called now it. Now we play. You said if uh, if uh, Dalton started to pick up the offense, uh, you got Lamb and Dalton now, sort of a little combo here. You called it before. You said if they start picking up and here we go, right?
0: But I, you know, I did say that. And I w- I'll admit I wasn't confident in it, but seeing how – the offense especially has rallied around Andy Dalton, you know, too, because he is the starting quarterback right now. You have to have confidence in your in your quarterback. He runs the offense. Between him and that offensive line, he is the captain of that offense. He is the captain of the team. Or one of them, rather. You know, you have to instill confidence. And Dalton is not a bad get, quarterback,
1: Mac. You've even said it. Dalton's no, not a not. bad quarterback. Very nice insurance policy. considering. You know how much you paid uh, Dak Prescott. You know it's unfortunate that Dak Prescott went out, but here he puts up almost 400 yards on Philly. It's it's impressive.
0: Which is wild to me because, like I said, you you look at post post or pre Dak Cowboys for you know first round playoff, you know, and then won it out just because we're not we're not built well enough yet to move, you know to move on. You look at everything from when Dak got hurt to. Just before the Bengals game, no, we almost had a little bit of shadow light, and we almost beat, you know, the Steelers, but almost you know, almost doesn't get you a win in the column. Almost gets you a little more a tie, you know. Essentially, I mean, just look at the Eagles record; they're four ten and one, That tie now, just seventy two last
1: place. Uh,
0: well, third place rather. But uh, right.
1: I'm Max, I'm still a little bit the, more confident. With the clean. rest of the NFC. Be annoyed and pissed off that uh, uh, maybe a seven and nine teams going to get into uh, win the division and get into the uh, and get an automatic bid. <laughs> pretty much, I think everybody's going to be pissed off because on the AFC, everybody's fighting for a p- playoff position. Pretty much.
0: Yeah, and that's the scary part. Is like normally the AFC like, and the NFC are pretty matched, but the NFC East is the is legitimately trash. Like and I can say that like I'm a Dallas I'm a diehard Dallas fan and I have zero problems being real I'm one of I'm a realistic Dallas fan I don't just Here the yeah, you're an analyst you're, readers, you're you know? an
1: analyst for football now you can literally say that now because it's reality I mean we cannot just sway from it anymore right It's almost like talking about the Jets and saying there's hope Well in this division it's like a toss up every week and it's uh, you thought Washington a couple weeks ago was picking up the ball and running with it right and it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, we thought, okay, doom for Dallas. And then all of a sudden, like three weeks or four weeks ago, we're like, okay, the, the Giants are picking up steam. It just – it's crazy. Yeah, and
0: that's why I'm just like – I'm just sitting here like, you know, like this could actually happen. I mean, no, and to be honest, nobody – first of all, nobody expected Dallas to be so bad, even, even post-DAC injury. Also, nobody yeah. expected – Carson Wentz to be benched and Jalen Hurts come out here and tear tear up people's offenses and pick up the game and, and play the game, and actually play the offense like it's supposed to, and you know unfortunately for him if he were, I feel like if he would have started this entire season for the Eagles the Eagles might actually be winning the division right now like in all honesty that's that's just how much confidence I have in Jalen Hurts and what I've watched him do and where I've watched him come from. Nobody also. So you
1: got Gen- to be happy. You got to be happy Philly, and I think that the Eagles organization should be happy there was no fans in the stands because they probably they probably would have gotten hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were oh, griping yeah, virtually.
0: Well, and like and nobody expected. Well, I'm sure Jen Kane expected her team to do well, but everybody on the fan side probably didn't expect the Washington football team to do as well as they have been. So. It's a shocker to me. You know, you do so well. You beat Dallas on Thanksgiving, then you go on a good little streak, and then you lose okay. two in a row.
1: McKenzie, the Eagles have to help you. You have to help yourself, and then they have to help you. <laughs> How ridiculous is all this whole NFC East? You can still, the Giants you know, can still win the East on Sunday if they beat you. Washington has to lose. In other words, the, the Eagles that you just beat. Have to turn around and beat Washington. You have to do your job, and then you win the division. Otherwise, you are gonna you're gonna be not in the not winning the division. It's a crazy scenario for the the last week of the season in this division.
0: It it, it really is, and this is this is the one week I'm willingly going to be an Eagles fan. I'm willing. One week,
1: no, I, I'm willingly going willing to be That's an Eagles saying. fan. You're, it's kind of crazy that you're sitting in the, the final week of the season and this division is like, I don't want it. You want it? No, I don't want it. I, I don't want it. You take it. I don't. <laughs> you know, it's like everybody's like, it's like hot potato. <laughs> it's like nobody wants to win it. <laughs> Somebody should have won it already, but nobody wants to win it. So, um, and then Washington's got its own problems, Mac. You know, uh, is uh, Alex Smith's going to start? Is that going to happen? Uh, is, you know, Philly, is, are they going to start Jalen Hurts? Or are they just going to just, you know, give it up at this point? Are they willing to win this game against Washington, as an example? And then the Giants, do they really want to lose to the Cowboys? I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of, like, you know, serious questions <laughs> that every fan in, in this division has.
0: You know, if, if I'm, I'm going to place myself as a, as a head coach in all of these scenarios. If I'm Washington and Alex Smith can go, he's going. That solves that problem. If I'm Doug Peterson over in Philly, Jalen Hurts has done nothing but do what I've told him to do, and he's executed it the way i you know, we've asked and expected of him as a as a coaching staff and an, and as an offensive coordinator. I'm keeping him at starter, period. If I'm Dallas, which I really should be to be honest, with being Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore over there in Jerry's playpen land. I'm expecting more out of Andy Dalton this week than any other week. Because if, if we win and beat the Giants in their home stadium, that means we've swept them for the year. Because we, we beat them for, you know, uh, the, the game that got hurt and still beat them by uh, about six, I believe. We need to turn around and reciprocate that, except this time, Andy Dalton, you're starting the, I mean, you're obviously starting the entire game. You have to be on all seven orders, all four quarters. C.D. Lamb – um, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Zeke, Tony Pollard, uh, Ben Schultz. Okay, everybody has to be on all cylinders in order for this to work. Like everything has to go right for Dallas, and Dallas's defense has to stay consistent. That has been the key for Dallas these past two games. Well, three games, rather. Their defense is starting to look like what we know, what we've known them to be. They had Sean Lee back in, in at middle linebacker last week. Okay, Jalen Smith is doing his thing. Demarcus Lawrence is finally getting a better pass rush because he's not banged up as much anymore. That front, that front line that run-blocking defense for the Dallas Cowboys is blocking and running and, and tackling and everything is on, and we're not making stupid mistakes. That's, that's what's going to be the key is everybody has to stay consistent. If I'm the Giants at this point, I'm just trying to get reps for people. Danny Dimes is still out. You have Colt McCoy as your backup quarterback. He should be starting this week unless Danny Dimes decide, you know, you know, is miraculously better by Sunday, which, you know, strange things have happened. So, if I'm, you know, if I'm that Giants offense, rather, I'm just looking to make the game competitive.
1: I agree, but I think it's an interesting Sunday for all of us because we're going to be paying attention to. I think Dallas, New York first, that will decide the outcome of whether the Philly, whether Philadelphia needs to beat uh, Washington. If you win, obviously that's, it, it tears everything out. But if the Giants somehow pull off the victory, we got to wait for Washington, Philly, and, you're, and you said you'd be rooting for the Eagles, of course, at that point. Um, should we trust in Chicago? It, it's kind of like a Christmas miracle. The Bears control their own destiny now in the NFC playoff race. After they, you know, routed the Jaguars. So they win their third consecutive win after losing six. And it seemed like the Bears were going to go nowhere, right? It looked like, okay, they're done for the season. But here we are. They put their faith back in uh, Trubisky instead of uh, Knowles.
0: Oh. <laughs> I, mean, I was just talking about this earlier. Yes, yeah, he's a Bears fan. And I was sitting there like, I'm like, so how do you feel that, you know, Trubisky's back? Of been, you know, in range and control of your offense. And he said, I've been waiting for him to step it up. I said, What I said, the only, the only thing that's been Aaron really saving you guys
1: is the question this coming week will it be, be able to beat Aaron Rodgers? I hope
0: he beats Aaron Rodgers.
1: If he pulls you know an if Aaron Rodgers, my god, it's like it's almost like the opposite of their start. So this is like the five and one start all over again. So as a bear fan, you're like, Did I just go to sleep? and then woke up and we're back, literally, that's the mindset.
0: No, I have to agree with you. But for for everything that's good and holy in this world, I need the Bears to beat the cheese balls so I can run my mouth. You're begging I mean, I'm you're run my mouth to my the Packers. Anyway. Wow. I real, Yes, I am. I absolutely am. I hate the Packers. I probably hate Green Bay fans and their damn team more than I hate Alabamers and their
1: team. We're just saying oh. a lot cause I can't
0: stand either one of them.
1: It's like the they write right up there with them, oh, Trubisky you boomers. He's going to have his best game and take down the cheese.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's and he's going to turn that cheese into moldy cheese. And when it happens, I'm going to hop on the podcast next week and tell you that I was right. I've been right almost every week, Oscar, predicting losses and wins. But this time, if I had to put $50 on it, I probably would.
1: Wow. See, so you're – that's what I'm saying. It's like all these Bear fans are like, this is the game. Week 17, they take on the Packers. This is, this is the moment. If he can go 6-1, and one, beat Aaron in the last week of the season, oh, my God. I think Bear fans, you know, are going to go wild. They're like – they're going to be amped up. You know, for a wall-car berth.
0: Look, if and when the inevitable happens with Trubisky and Cone and the Mac truck, okay, Khalil Mac comes in there and roasts them cheese balls. I'm throwing a party. I'm throwing a party, Oscar. It's gonna happen. Nice. Okay. I
1: know you're I know you're a passionate hater for Green Bay, so Chicago fans they appreciate your passion right now. <laughs> Because they, they certainly want to risky to beat Rodgers. That would be a moment to see, especially in the last week of the NFL season, going into a playoff mode. So uh, maybe they put Hope yeah. back into their quarterback. Um, all right. So TB12 in the playoffs and the Patriots not in the playoffs. So TB12 going up against Atlanta, and we talked about it at the beginning of the year, tougher division, it's more, more important. And now we, we had questions mid-season mid, uh, mid about whether it's the right offense in Arian's position, was it, you know, was it uh, Brady's issues, whatever. But it seems to me that they routed Detroit, which doesn't say much because Detroit was coachless and it was almost like playing a high school team or something, and it was a kind of a clinic for him. So Atlanta, more of a challenge here, Ryan and company. So uh, should we give uh, Tom Brady credit? to get the Bucks where they're at now, given the fact that we were talking like, okay, if he doesn't get in the playoffs, then obviously it was the system in, in New England, but I guess he's proven us wrong.
0: You know, I think you have to give that entire team credit. Arian, Grog, T 12 that new tackle out of Iowa, Tristan Wirth, okay? He's been a big team, and he is a rookie. You have to give him credit.
1: It's, you know, Mac, there was a guy on Twitter that sent me a message saying that Tampa Bay brought him here, and he already had an established New England style of personnel. And Evans, Godwin, you add Brown, you add Gronk, right? I mean, so technically, he didn't really go, I mean, in other words, he wasn't dumb enough to go to a rebuild. He was bright enough to go to where there was already existing weapons.
0: Exactly. And that's why I'm saying you kind of have to give to the entire team. Like, and, and I'll be honest, and myself included, I didn't think, I did not think the Bucks were going to go to the playoffs. I really didn't. Just because I'm like, he's been out for a year or two. Tom Brady's going to a new system. You have you know, new yep. offensive tackles, running backs you know, Bruce and new new parts that he has to add in. I just didn't think they were going to adjust so well and be consistent with it. But I can actually admit and humbly that I was wrong. And I'm glad that I was wrong because I want to see how far they go.
1: Yeah, we were all, like, in this mode where we wanted to see Tom Brady fail, right? <laughs> it's like, he's in the NFC, uh, NFC South. He's going to fail, right? That was our attitude at the beginning of the year. He's not in New England. He's not shielded by the Belichick, you know, regime. Uh, but actually, he's proven that he's able to, you know, lead. And he didn't – he's not – if he gets in, he ha- didn't miss the playoffs, where the, the his former team obviously is horrible, and they look like they're in a rebuild mode. And so that's the difference. So if he beats Ryan on Sunday – um, I think it preps him for the playoffs because he's always been good in the playoffs. It's not like a Peyton Manning where he's good in the regular season and all of a sudden he gets to the playoffs and he falters. Uh, Brady has always been mediocre regular season and then really good in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm kind of looking forward to, you know. And I'm, I'm kind of – I'm not going to say like I'm a huge Matty Ice fan, but I have my respect for Matt Ryan. You know, he's been playing without a coach most of the season now. But strangely enough, the Falcons have kind of come back with a vengeance. You know, their head coach gets fired, and then they start, miraculously, they start winning and start doing it, you know, with style and not looking like they're struggling. I just don't think they have enough firepower to, to beat Tom Brady. But on the flip side, they almost beat, Patrick Mahomes last week, and that game was yep. ridiculous. That game was this wild. This is a division I game.
1: Did not this is think, a division game in the I last week of the season, so this is more important in terms of a, the playoff picture because it's almost the same as Dallas, New York. You know who wants it more, basically.
0: Yeah, and I think ooh, uh, I see. You might have to ask I'm me Saturday my money or Tampa. Sunday. Right, I'm putting
1: my weekend. money on Tampa. You put your money on Tampa. Yeah, I got to put my money on Tampa. I just – I can't not put my money on Tampa. Gronk, uh, Brady, I can't go against them. On the other side, um, Julio Jones and Gage and, and Ridley, they, they're on and off. They're not very consistent. But this, this – uh, you know, Evans, between Evans and Godwin and – I mean, in other words, Tampa Bay is a lot more consistent the last uh, four weeks. So I'm putting my money on Tampa.
0: I can't pick. I cannot pick, at least today. Ask me right before the game on Sunday. I'll have an answer for you. Then. I'm
1: going with the GOAT. Yeah. You name it right there. You're going, going with, with the GOAT. goat. <laughs> going with the GOAT. All right, um, Mac, the, all the Browns needed to do was to end their long postseason drought was beat the Jets, the J-E-T-S, which my Rams couldn't, win, couldn't beat either. <laughs> and they couldn't make it happen.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> I'm also – I'm a decent – like, I watch the Browns. They're not my first team,
1: you know, out of my conference that I would watch. But I watch them. Get out to Callie Branson I will say, and the Browns. But, Callie, you got to get it done. got to get it done. Yeah. Come on. We got to get it done. Get in the dance.
0: Yeah. That, that's kind of how I feel. I'm not going to pick them to lose, but I'm not going to pick them to win handily. I think it's going to be by three. It's not gonna be Matt.
1: Matt, you can't win with Mayfield fumbling balls. If he fumbles That's balls, That's why I'm saying it done. could be by three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree with you.
0: It, oh, I don't know. Uh, you have Nick Chubb. You have Jarvis Landry. Okay, like, and your your Baker Mayfield, like your first, your overall number one pick out of the Oklahoma. The Steelers are not right now, gonna roll over.
1: I don't think the Steelers are going to roll over. That's all I'm saying right now. They got to play a very good game. No,
0: they're not. And breaking news from Steeler Nation, uh, looks like Mason Rudolph will be starting that game from what I've seen.
1: If a backup quarterback beats you, Brown Nation, that is not good. So Mayfield's got to be on his A game. Because Pittsburgh doesn't have anything to play for at this point. They're in. No big deal. It's just a prep game. Right? They got to win. The Browns have to win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have to. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to take them to win. But it, it, it's been going to overtime, I feel like.
1: Mac, Mac, they have made too much progress to see this the season end on a bitter disappointment. Played so it, good exactly. up to this point And then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Just they made too much progress already. And we were, we were, we were already salivating like, okay, Browns in the playoffs, right? Browns in the playoffs. And now we're like. Maybe not in the playoffs. That's our, like, inclination now.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, I want to see the Browns in in a playoff spot. I really do. Like.
1: It would be great for the fan base.
0: They're just like, yeah, they're just like a perfect, like, like, comeback kid. team.
1: Yeah, but they're not doing it. So, uh, hopefully they'll do it. I mean, just like my Rams got beat by the Jets. I'm pretty sure every Browns fan said, "Hey, we're playing the Jets. We're good to go. We're going to win. We're good." And then all of a sudden, what happened? That's exactly what I said. And we played the Jets. What the hell happened? But so it's a well, division it, game. If it it if would mean it, a lot
0: the to the fan base right. if the, they the, beat
1: the, Steeler Nation.
0: Yeah, it, I think I think Browns I think the Dog Pound Nation over there is going to erupt if yep. they can pull off what seems to be the inevitable. But when you look at it, on Even side,
1: Dillo. You know Dillo's going to be watching she, the whole game and she's going to want to. Yo. Know, you, look, get, I love me some Dillo.
0: <laughs> you know Dillo's going to Dillo. be watching. She's wild. I love Dillo, Dillo's heart. I know she's going to be Cleveland. going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. She loves her some brown. She sure does. But I think, oh, yeah. I think if the dog pound can pull it off, it's going, to be, it's going to be a shot heard around the world, especially because, you know, midway through the season, beginning of the season, the Steelers were hot. You couldn't, you couldn't touch them. You couldn't beat them. You couldn't try to touch them with a 10-foot stick. And the past, well, half of the season, this, this back half of the NFL season for 2020 has been what seems to be a dug for them, starting with that Dallas Cowboys game that they damn near lost.
1: So, um, Mac, what do we say of Henry and company? They get completely taken advantage of in Green Bay in the snow, and all of a sudden now, you know, pretty ugly stuff there, but hope remains for them. A win on the road against Houston. You heard J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt was real. J.J. Watt said, if you don't want to come to work, don't show up and get paid. If you don't want to come here to work, then don't come, don't go, don't show up and get paid. That's literally what he said to everybody on his team. It's like, you know, I don't care if you're four and eleven. You got to show up to work and do your job. And so, I mean, who who wouldn't? Would you want to be in that in that in that uh, locker room, uh, Mac, if you were getting paid like he's getting paid, and you're in the WNFC with the with the Nighthawks, and you're four and eleven? I think your attitude would have been the same on that podium, right? Like, if you don't want to be here, you get the hell out. Um,
0: I'm, I'm just going to be real. Like, I could not agree with J.J. Watt anymore, especially because of the part where he said, we get to play the game we love and get paid for it. That right yeah. there is what stuck with me. I said, I said to myself and I said to my cousin, I said, there's, there's players and athletes playing, whether it's any, well, semi-pro football, basketball, anything. There's, there's semi-pro players out here who would love to be in your position that probably have more passion because they're not getting paid. They're out, you know, we're out here working our tails off to get sponsorships, working our tails off just to get, you know, social media presence, and you have, uh, you know, a fully paid NFL entity, benefits, money, millions of dollars, you know, luxuries, things of that nature, and you're 4'11", and you don't want to come to work, you don't want to come to your job, you don't want to come to the job that you got recruited, you recruited or traded for or whatever, or you had the opportunity to do so. No, that don't fly with me. I was, look, I was loving everything that JJ had to say, Period.
1: I mean, the guy's so humble, right? He's on a crappy team. He still has to put out. He he understands he's getting paid handsomely, as his words were. And so if if you're an NFL player and you don't think that's a big deal, then, yeah, I agree with him. You don't need to be on that platform. There's probably other people that deserve that opportunity if you feel like that's just a privilege now.
0: Exactly, and that that's why I was just like, like I was waiting for him to to just rant more. I needed that, like, and I think his team needed to hear that. Now, after him having that rant, I don't think it's gonna click to them right now. I'll tell you that right now, it's gonna click probably right as the draft is happening. Oh yeah, what JJ said stuck to me. No, it should have stuck to you at the beginning of the season when you was getting your bonuses. It should have stuck to you during you know those OTAs. Okay, it should have stuck with you in the beginning of the season when you was out here getting whacked, and you then, you know, you wanted to walk up to feel like you didn't care. It should have stuck with you then, not, to, not a season too late. The best thing you, y'all can do right now as a Texan is shop up, give a, good, give, give, give a good competitive game this Sunday. If you walk away with the win, great. If you don't, you better turn it around for next season. I don't want to hear no complaining. I don't want to hear any of that. No excuses. You had all season to make excuses. You had preseason and OTA and, and preseason workouts to make excuses and correct it. I Not think, now.
1: I really think his point, Mac, was given all the COVID, given all the stuff that was missing uh, on a normal year, his attitude, I think, was, hey, your ass better be in the gym because you are getting paid to be in the gym, right? It's like it's, his attitude was you don't have excuses. You're getting paid hand- handsomely. On top of that, you're a professional. Your attitude should be game-ready no matter what, because that's what you get paid for, to be game-ready.
0: Exactly. You get paid to be game-ready. You get paid to win games. You get paid to do what you love. Some of us don't have an opportunity yet, but we're coming. And I tell you what, when it happens, it's going to be the shot heard around the world. We're going to be the oh, hottest yeah. thing. We already are the hottest thing. The NFL's been there. WNSC, WFA, all the women's leagues, Gridiron, you know, um, Europe, across the, across the globe – we're what's coming up. When we finally get our shot and get paid, I don't, I don't have nothing for you. You might as well yeah, you might as a, do your a, stuff it's now. It's going to be a
1: bunch of zeros, and I think everybody's going to be great and crying emotionally about it. But until then, J.J. Watt, shout out to be, for him for being real, for calling out his teammates and letting them know, hey, who you play for? You play for the fans, and you play for the city. That's his attitude. That's what he said. You, pay for the, you play for the fans. He you play for the city because the fans pay your paycheck. And the city supports you as an entity. I think that was his message. I really appreciate that, him coming out and bringing it up. All right, uh, Max, the Dolphins against Buffalo. That's going to be an interesting game. Uh, Allen against maybe Fitzmagic and not Tua?
0: Nope, Tua is Tua is starting that game.
1: I Which don't know. Interesting. We'll see. To me,
0: it's or it, it's already been reported he's starting. Sorry. I Ryan know Brent, that. But will they, will they pull bubble. the
1: plug, as Holly says? Will they pull the plug if it starts to go south once again?
0: If they probably will, but he will take the 1st two. I'll, I'll tell you what. They may pull the plug if it starts to get sour, but Tua is going to take the first series of snaps. Period.
1: Sure. Done. All right. Um. Let's give a shout-out to Naomi Robles-Juarez. We all have our Sarah Fuller. Fuller was our inspiration for the college. And this young lady in Mexico will be the first female as a linebacker, Max, to play in a major league university in Mexico, the Onefa. Onefa is kind of like the NCAA mentality. So not a kicker, none of that stuff. She's going to play on – as a linebacker, and she's been on, uh, you know, play, she's played FX Mexico, she's played Lexba, she's played all these, the major uh, women's leagues in Mexico. So, shout out to Naomi Robles-Juarez, so you can get the uh, article right there at the Hub. So, can't wait for that.
0: I was pretty excited when I, when I thought I came across the ticker, you know. I was like, she plays a position. I said, gee, you know, it's funny that you can be a female player and play alongside your male counterparts as a position player on a big stage and get recognized as a player. The
1: difference in Mexico
0: hmm. is
1: that every other male in Mexico is the same stature as her. So, uh, to her, uh, her coach's point, she's going to just have to bulk up a little bit to kind of like stay competitive. Versus in the state, I think uh, a lot of them. Athletes in the state are a lot taller. You know what I mean, over six feet. Where in Mexico, a lot of the a lot of the players are pretty statured in terms of five seven, you know 5'8", five, five, things like that. So I think she she can muscle it in. She can work with it, um, and things like that. So, um, you know, shout out to Naomi. We're looking forward to her. You can get the uh in, all the info via our network partners at the Cuarto, right there at the hub. So for doing the interviews with her and. Uh, T- taking the time for that so really really appreciate them doing that so shout out to naomi we're looking forward to 2021 and we're going to be keeping tabs on her as she launches on the onefa season uh in a couple months here so pretty awesome if you haven't subscribed to our podcast i have no idea what you why you haven't but if you haven't subscribed to our podcast you can subscribe on any platform including iheart apple and spotify so, really, really appreciate it. Shout out to our Aussie fans who consistently listen to our podcast, Mac. Shout out to the Canadian and U.S. North American fans, uh, the Spanish uh, fans, and the Russian fans now coming on board, listening to us weekly. Listen to the salty one, the Hall of Famer, uh, Nate, and myself. So, thank you for listening, you guys. Really appreciate it. Huge
0: shout out to our international crowd, man. I swear, they man, that keeps us going. I'm not even going to lie. Man, I love y'all. Big shout out. Thank you so much. Okay, keep it up. We're here every week on the pod, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, okay, Google Pods, Anywhere that you get podcasts, that's where we're at. But you got to go to the Hub to figure that out. If you don't go to the Hub, I don't know what to tell you.
1: You got to go to the Hub. Go to the Hub. The best network on the planet exists at the Hub uh if you follow me on facebook uh really really uh, awesome we have made uh, tremendous strides since 2009 if you listen to uh you know my stuff on facebook if you follow me personally uh but i want to give a shout out to all our athletes the no joke football brand and um let's give a shout out to the top nine the top nine on instagram max the top nine athletes on our gallery at Instagram, and it's uh, obviously Instagram most likes. And I uh, get a shout out to Janika Nikander of the champion Helsinki Wolverines. And then also Nicole Cabrera looking slick and awesome in the Atlanta Phoenix outfit uh, when the WNFC Reimagine uh, uh, promotion came out with the uniforms. So she looks pretty slick right there on, at, the, at the Instagram. So, shout out to Nicole Cabrera. And then Lexi DeMayo as well, our Anoja football athlete. Uh, Elisa DeSantis looks badass from the uh, Molasses Champion um, Champions in France. Shout out to uh, Elisa. Sarah Fuller, of course, a huge moment in the College Five. So, she's uh, pretty awesome. And Louise Cook, pretty awesome uh, photo there. Louise Cook of the DC Divas of so the WFA. And then Ellie Mazzola, Ellie Mazzola as well, uh, profiled there. Uh, Austin Ravens as well. And Rapunzel from the uh, uh, former uh, Nashville Knights. So all those girls, shout out to them for being on the top nine 2020 on our Instagram.
0: See, that's how I'm trying to be. 2020 win, Matt Trump will be on that list. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I need to step up my game. Like, all nine of those women are super inspiring, and I love to see that. But that's what keeps the game going. That's what keeps the awareness going is social media like that. So, huge shout-out to y'all. Y'all deserve it for the year. Keep it coming.
1: Really awesome. So, shout-out to all of them for doing an amazing job. Um, we also had uh, WNFC and WFA uh, Christmas greetings. So, check it out at the Hub from both leagues. At this point, we are looking forward to the AA- AFE Women's All-Stars on January 16th, as they will take on the WTF. Um, she can get the article right there as well. And shout-out to Pia Schwartz of the Molesham uh, Shamrocks of the German AFBD. And you get a profile article there about her journey as wanting to venture into the U.S. to play for the WFLA New York Stars. So you get the article right there at the hub as well. So, um, Mac, um, I don't know. It's, it's – a uh, gonna be a very interesting new year coming up here uh we're what almost 180 days into the the spring looking forward to hopefully none of this COVID thing or it goes away somewhat somewhat uh because we want to really get started with wnfc and wfa football in in the spring as well as i8 iwfa i8 and x league in the spring so it's gonna be really exciting if we get rolling hopefully crossing our fingers we get rolling
0: You know, and I think that's why all these teams, you know, my league, WSA, all the other leagues, Lexpa, everything, you know, I think that's why everybody's really pushing with their offseason, you know, to be prepared in case something happens. I don't, you know, my estimation, I don't think, you know, I don't think we're going to come to another halt. But, you know, just in case something happens, I see everybody is putting in work. And that's that's the difference between – us in and other leagues or other types of sports is we're constantly putting in work, whether it's in season or off season, you know, our passion lies with us everywhere we go. So it's going to be a good season 2021. Like we literally can't go, can't go nowhere. Looking forward
1: to interviewing uh, some of the coaches and some of the top players on each team uh, from the WFA, including uh, the top four tier teams, Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3 coming up in the next couple months here, in the next 90 days. Looking forward to interviewing the new teams in the WNFC, the mid-pack in the WNFC, and the top squads in the WNFC. So we got a lot of content coming up here in the next 90 days. Keep you all informed about the WNFC season, the WFA season, including the IWFA I-8 as the exciting, plus X-League. So the place to be is right here, right here at Gridiron Blitz every week uh, on the biggest platforms on Apple iHeart and Spotify if you missed any of our episodes I have no idea why you're missing them because you can listen to them at any time so if you missed any of our episodes you missed out on 348 when we talked to the phenom Sam Gordon so you can go back and listen to 348 we also talked to the talented Michelle Angel 350 one of the pioneers and exciting athletes in X-League we also talked to uh 330 to win Domini everything WFA we talked to Barry Lieberman and Angelica Grayson giving us the lowdown on 4 to play plus uh, Angelica Grayson on the NCAA flag season that's going to come up. We talked to Chris Sacco, the lowdown on the Utah Girls Football League, 332. Also talked to the uh, talented Michelle Angel, 331. We talked to Rod Green on the IWFA IA Excitement, 338, including 327 with Terrence Haywood also. And we also talked to Adrian Smith, 325, including 324, way back with Sheruaga and Daniel Harvey. So uh, if you don't know what's happening in the sport, you have no clue what's happening in the sport, they got to be here every week. That's what I'm trying to preach. They got to be here every week on the podcast. Listen it up. And they got to be at the Hub.
0: I mean, I'm not going to repeat myself no more. If you don't go to the Hub, where we always drop the news, you're not going to know. You're, you're going to come into the podcast blank, and you're going to be wondering why. I told you, go to the Hub, find out, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, Tumblr, Snapchat, all the social media. All of the co-hosts have some form of social media. So if you're not on the Hub, go there.
1: All right, guys, if you guys haven't gone to monkeyknife that's our major sponsor on the podcast. Really appreciative. They're doing a cool thing. If you are making a donation to any charity, charity of your choice, especially for this time of year with all the um, COVID thing that's going on, a lot of families need really support. And if you donate to any charity, you upload your receipt, direct message on Twitter, Facebook, uh, or Instagram to Monkey Night Fight. Uh, you can get the link right there at MonkeyNightFight.com. You get the details as well, and you will get a twenty-dollar credit to Monkey Night Fight. You can play the prop games uh, more or less. So check it out, uh, monkeyknifefight.com. Use our code NJF and get started today. So really good platform. I don't know if you've been to Monkey Knife Fight, uh, Mac, but uh, I'm starting to get really cool at that and really good at it. So if you check it out, make sure you use the code, and you get a price match up to a, a $50. So you get it matched up. Even if you play the $20, you're going to get another 20 So it's pretty cool. Exactly. You know,
0: Monkey Knife Fight. All the other sponsors that we have, or have had rather, are what help keep the podcast running. So if you don't support the sponsors, we can't keep the podcast. So get over to monkeyknifefight.com. Donate to a charity. Upload your receipt. It, it's really easy, guys.
1: Pretty easy to do. So local charity, no big deal. Whatever's in your community, just take it out, and they'll go ahead and match up up to $20, and you get a Mikey Knife play. You can play NBA now. You can play uh, NFL till the end of the season. So a lot, of, a lot of cool games to play on Monkey Night 5. So place your bets on there and win some money. All right, Mac, I think that's it. Uh, thanks for the Hall of Famer to come in today, Give us the lowdown on college football, uh, NFL as well. Looking forward to this weekend. We got Atlanta against TB12. Um, Miami, you got Tua versus Josh Allen. Pittsburgh, um, you know, looking at Mayfield versus Rudolph. Uh, we got Dallas, of course. Against the Giants, that's the one you're going to be watching. Uh, Houston, Tennessee, whether the, the, the Titans are going to win the division there. Washington and Philly, will the Eagles play spoiler and will the Cowboys win to get the division? So, really interesting weekend in week 17. So, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm giddy.
0: I don't think giddy explains how I feel, Oscar. I just know my team better do their job and Philly better do their job and beat, beat the Washington football team.
1: Yeah, my Rams taking on Arizona. Um, we're playing a backup quarterback. Um, I just don't have much confidence. I'm rooting for them, but it just seems so bleak. And given the fact that golf's not going to play, I don't know about me right now. I'm just it's just okay. We were like on a high, and now we're completely low. So I don't know what's going to happen there. But uh, you know, go Rams. We got to win to get in. So we got to win to get in with the backup quarterback. So same same process there. So. Don't miss out on the college uh, bowl. So if you uh, need insights, get the information. You can do the replay on the podcast. You can listen to Mac and you can listen to Holly and duke it out and give you the insights on each bowl game that's coming up, coming up here in January. So uh, thanks for uh, listening to us. Really appreciate you guys. Don't, don't forget, check out monkey 95com weekly. Get your donation in. Get your Monkey 9 Five points there and you can play on the site as well. Check it out on uh, Zazzle site. Uh, you can get up to 15% off. Use zazzle. Thanks. And I really appreciate everybody that bought stuff during the holidays. It really, really appreciate that. And we've been really, really awesome in terms of sales. So keep it up, support our stuff, uh, send us a photo, direct messages on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just let us know that you're supporting our stuff and supporting women's American football. So for the salty one, um, uh, for Holly Custis, Nate Ward, Oscar Lopez here, have a new happy new year. We'll catch you here in 2021. Have a great night, everybody.